0: The last few weeks, we've, we've talked about how we have an assignment from God, and we have a calling from God, and that that calling has many different facets to it. So the last few weeks, we talked about how God calls us to follow him, right? And he calls us to a community around us called the church, Right, we, call, we we talked about how we have a calling to work, right? That work is also sacred. We talked about how we're called to nurture. Parenting and mentoring is part of the calling in life. And we talked about the call to create. That God wants us to be creative and steward everything that He's trusted us with. And last week we talked about how God calls us to the world. He said, I want you to go into all the world and bring the good news of Jesus Christ. And so today we're gonna we're gonna end this this uh, this series of talk. By, by, by bringing you to this reality that the greatest calling you will ever have in life as a believer is the call to be like Jesus. That's the call of the believer. Everything we've talked about culminates in this reality that God says, I'm calling you to be just like my son, Jesus. Can you say amen? And so we're going to have a couple of Bible readings this morning. First one is in Romans chapter 8 to kind of show you this heart. That God has for everyone that, that believes in His Son to become like His Son. And then we're gonna get into the Gospel of Mark, and you got a booklet on your way in. We're gonna, because when we're called to be like Jesus, we need to know who is this Jesus and, and what, is, what is He all about. Because a lot of times I think that there's a disconnect between who Jesus is and what people think He is. And so we're gonna go to the Gospel of Mark for the next 16 weeks. To really unpack who Jesus really is. Because I think that Jesus has been lost in translation in a lot of ways. I think we've put a lot of things on Jesus that Jesus never put on himself. I think we have, uh, actually I think we've kind of like confused this whole following Jesus with some things in our society, in our world that does not, has nothing to do with Jesus. Can you say amen? And so we need to go on a journey to really relearn and rediscover who Jesus really is. And I'm really excited to go on this journey with us because to be like Jesus is to know him. Can you say amen? Amen. And so we begin in Romans chapter 8 and it says this in verse 29 of Romans 8. Are you there? If you're not there, there should be a giant Bible behind me because we like big Bibles and we cannot lie. And it says this in verse 29. It says, "For, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his, what? Come on, we gotta do better than that. We, to become like? To become like his son, so that his son will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Having chosen them, here's that word, he called them to come to him. And having called in them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them the right standing, he gave them his glory. Can you say amen? So the ultimate goal of a believer is to be just like Jesus. Matter of fact, I heard this great quote this week. I was listening to a a professor of philosophy out of Boston College as a believer. He said this about being like Jesus. He said, look, he said, if Jesus isn't your standard, then you are not a Christian. Hello, somebody. Good morning. Happy Easter. If Jesus is not your standard, then you're not a Christian. You might be a good person. You might be a really nice person. You might have a cute little Easter outfit this morning. But if you're not going after Jesus, then you're not following Jesus. You're just being religious. You're just going through the motion. So today, my friends, I want to let us know that this journey we're going on is to rediscover the heart of Jesus. We gave you two things this morning. We gave you a booklet that that we're going to unpack for the next 16 weeks, but then we gave you this this bracelet, WWJD. We want to bring you back to bring you forward. It's a throwback to go forward because I think we need to rediscover what would Jesus do. Can you say amen? And so the gospel of Mark is the oldest An earliest document that we have available to us that points us to the reality of Jesus, right? That he lived in real time, in real history, in a real moment in the world. And that since then, his followers have been taking his good news all over the world. You have to understand that we are doing this right now, but they're doing this all over the world. I follow a pastor out of Australia, and in Australia, it's already been Resurrection Sunday, and they already had their services, and this is happening in Africa, this is happening in the Middle East, this is happening in Asia, all over the world, people are celebrating the reality of Jesus. And so, what I want us to do for the next few weeks is to do our best by the power of His Spirit that rose Him from the dead to give us the strength to emulate Jesus as much as possible. And in order to do that, my friends, we're going to have to untangle a lot of things they've gotten in the way of Jesus. It would be a really good idea for someone to write a book about untangling Jesus from religion. <laughs> it would be a really good idea. I think someone should do it. Because here's, here's what if we find out, that, that even in this pandemic, we find out that a lot of times we have caked up Jesus with a lot of things that is not him. And people are getting confused about who is this Jesus. Will the real Jesus please stand up? And so we want to go on a journey. And so Mark wrote his gospel, his good news, because he was impacted by it. And so very early on, they begin to spread the good news. It's 16 chapters, and so it's a 16-week journey because we're gonna unpack one chapter a week and we're gonna continue it on Wednesday night. By the way, we're having Bible studies in the house on Wednesday night, starting this Wednesday. So you're welcome to continue this journey with us, but it's gonna take some doing my friends, because it's not just gonna fall in your lap. In this booklet, there's daily readings. And let me tell you something, if you're serious about following Jesus, you need to make room to pursue him daily. You need to have moments with him daily. This cannot be a Sunday to Sunday thing. This needs to be a daily thing where I'm coming after Jesus. Because it's impossible for us to cover every single detail in the Gospel of Mark. And so each one of us have to be hungry enough to say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Show me what I'm missing. Show me your will. Show me your purpose because I want to be like you. And the last thing we need, if this is going to work... All of us have to pray to be like Jesus. All of us have to pray and say, God, I wanna be just like your son, Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So when you get to the Gospel of Mark, you have to understand that it was written a few years after Jesus' resurrection and back in those days, they used to have oral traditions where you would pass down the, the, the stories. You would pass down everything that you've learned orally. And then they felt the urgency that we're not going to be able to get this message everywhere if we don't start writing down the things that Jesus did. And so this is what John Mark does. He wrote down everything that he can think of and that the Spirit of God led him to, to be able to put down on paper so people can know, okay, this is what this Jesus was all about. And so in, in Mark chapter 1... Right? I want to give you a quick overview, and then we're going to jump right in the middle of chapter 1. Right? But in chapter 1, it literally begins by saying this. It says, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Like, everything I'm about to tell you is the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And he begins by letting you know that God sent a man named John the Baptist in advance, in front of Jesus, to kind of prepare the way. For Jesus to come. And I'm not going to get too much into John the Baptist because on Christmas, we talked about John the Baptist. He said, I must become less. He must become greater. I'm just here to point you to Jesus. But what I, what I highlight from John's message is the fact that John said, if you're going to get the heart of God, you have to repent. That was the heart of John's message. Repentance was the heart of John's message. He says, You got to turn around. Repentance means to literally turn around. Like you're going this way, you need to turn around. Metanoia, changing of mind to go the ways of God. Now, usually in our society, when we say the word repentance, we automatically think of things like stop cursing, stop sleeping around, which those are true. If you're doing those things, repent. Happy Easter. But if you go back to the original context, what he was telling the people to repent from, this is very important because it's applicable to us today, what he was telling the people to repent from, he was saying, you need to turn away from your social and political agendas. See how real that is? right? This is what he was saying. He's saying, listen, I know you guys want a Messiah, but you want a Messiah your way. You're looking for a political messiah, but that's not the messiah you're going to get. You're looking for a social messiah, that's not the messiah you're going to get. If you don't repent and turn away from the ways that you think God's going to work, you're going to miss God. You're going to miss the purpose of why he's sending Jesus in the first place. And let's be honest, 21st century, we are missing the point. We have made it about a political movement. And here we are disappointed that God didn't answer our prayers the way we think he was going to answer. But God was saying, I was never into a political savior. I was never into a social savior. I came to bring you a real savior that would set you free from real bondage. And so, my friends, we need to turn away from social and political agendas that doesn't align itself with the will of God. With the heart of God. Because Jesus did not come to set up a political establishment. He didn't come to set up a social establishment. He came to set up the kingdom of God. On earth as it is in heaven. Can you say amen? The second thing that John was trying to say to them is you need to repent because your loyalty is divided. Again, you see how quiet we get. He's saying, listen, turn back to true loyalty to God. That's the only way you're going to see the will of God. My friends, the Bible tells us that if you are divided, if your mind's divided, you're not going to see the fullness of God's will. Because if you think that you can serve God and serve money, you're going to be divided. If you think you can serve God and serve the world, you're going to be divided. If you think you can serve God and serve politics, you're going to be divided. If you think you can serve God and serve your girlfriend, you're going to be divided. Listen, you got to make up your mind about your loyalty and who do you want to truly run your lives. A lot of people. Don't see the fullness of God because their hearts are divided. Some people are in church all over this country today, but they're in church, but their minds are somewhere else. He's saying you got to repent and turn away and fully devote yourself to the will of God. Can you say amen? And so, my friends, John begins by telling you it's the good news, but the good news begins with repentance. And then, and then out of that, he, he gets into the baptism and the temptation of Jesus. Right, it's powerful because there's a sequence here. There's a flow of what John is trying to teach us about the gospel of Jesus and how to be like Jesus. Right, Jesus then comes and says, "I must be baptized. Why? Because he's saying I want, I have to show them how to submit to the will." of the father baptism is a complete surrender it's a submission to the will of the father to say i'm letting the old go and i'm coming into the new life that god has in me last week we saw people dedicate their lives right here to jesus 32 people said jesus is my lord and my savior What's powerful about Jesus' baptism, and it's powerful about us, because everything that God's doing in Jesus, he wants to do in us. In the moment when Jesus was baptized, you hear the Father say, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. That is a powerful statement. If you don't get anything else from today, get this part right here because this makes all the difference in the world. What the Father was saying is, hey, you see him before he does anything, before he does a miracle, before he preaches, before he casts out demon, I need to validate him for who he is in me, not what he can do for me. So understand, to be like Jesus is to be validated by God the Father. It's not something that you earn, it's not something that you deserve, it's something that God blesses you with. It's your identity in Christ. Is that God, when he sees you, he sees Jesus in you, and he says, you are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. That sets you free from seeking validation from man. That's what he was doing here. He knew that Jesus was going to be tempted. He knew that Jesus was going to be scolded. He knew that Jesus was going to be mocked and crucified. And so from the beginning, he's saying, I know what the journey ahead of you looks like. And so I want you to know right now, this is who I look When I see you, I see me. I see my goodness. I see my grace. I see my power. So nothing, no one can shake you from my will and my purpose. And the same thing that God says about Jesus, he says about everyone who believes in him through the baptism and resurrection. Can you say amen? Amen. And from the baptism, he goes into the temptation in the desert. This is important because the moment you stick your neck out and say, I'm a follower of Jesus, all hell breaks loose. Why? Because just like you just saying, hell lost another one. And so the enemy is frantic, trying to bring you back to the same old. But listen, the old is gone. The new has come. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You guys that got baptized last week, I know the stories because a few days later we begin to hear hell is breaking loose around them. I got good news for you. It doesn't mean anything is wrong. Actually, it means everything is right because now you belong to God and God is for you. He's marked you and if he marked you, no one can be against you. Let hell break loose because heaven is rejoicing on your behalf. But get this, you face temptation, my friends, from a place of acceptance. Because he's already said, I approve of you. This is why there's a sequence here. Repentance, baptism, temptation. And then it leads to the first disciples. Are you seeing the sequence here? It's the same thing he wants to do in all of our lives. Saying you you repent and you, you get baptized and you join me in Christ. And I will empower you to overcome temptation and you will become my follower. And I don't want to get into the first followers, because we talked about this a few weeks ago. He says, come follow me, and I will teach you how to fish for people. I want to give you a greater purpose to what you do for a living, to be able to reach people and show people who I am in you. Can you say amen? Now, all of, all of that was free to get to this place. You're welcome. Someone appreciates the fact that I'm bringing the word to you. Thank you. But I want to get to the heart here today is this middle part here. Repentance, baptism, temptation, calling of the disciples, and then he gets into the thick of it, ministry. And the first thing he does, he casts out an evil spirit. Hello, happy Easter. I struggled with this when I was studying this week. Because I was like, God, how am I going to preach about evil spirits on Easter morning? You got a lot of new people. They already think church is weird. Now we're going to really give them a reason. And so I was wrestling with this because I usually start my preparation Sunday night to to Monday morning. Listen, Sunday comes every few days, and so I'm always getting ready for the next week. And so I was reading this on Monday, and I'm like, ah, man, why is this one sticking out? Why is not the rest of it sticking out to me? Why this particular part? And so I I read it, and what I normally do is I'll read the Bible, I'll put it away, I'll leave it, I'll, I'll just let things air out, and I went online, and I was online, and all of a sudden it hit me. Online, on Monday, what was trending was this young rapper who develop a sneaker in the name of Satan. All of a sudden, this thing was all over the place. It was on Twitter, it was on Instagram, it was on your mama's tube, like it was everywhere. That <laughs> this young man, this young rapper, developed a sneaker, he put a Bible verse on it, and he put the infamous number 666 in the name of Satan. And I knew now and then, wait, I'm not, I'm not off. I think we need to talk about this. I think, I think we need to address the reality that they, there are spirits and there are evil lurking in our world, and it's so real. And once in a while, he's blinking in your face to try to show you that there's another reality happening here. So I came across this thing. And it hit me, wow, we need to really go there. So let's go there because there's a lot here I think God wants to speak to us about. Beginning with verse 21 of Mark 1. It says this, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. He went to church and he began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he thought with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue, in the church, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, this is a demon speaking, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 25, but Jesus reprimanded him. Jesus rebukes him. Be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they begin to discuss what had happened. How would you like to be in that church service? What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. He has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Can you say amen? Reason why I think it's important to talk about this is the sequence through which John Mark is trying to show you what he means to be like Jesus. He says you, you repent Baptized, you identify with Christ, you become a follower, but then you have the same authority that Jesus has over evil spirits. Now this is important, my friends. Here's why this is important. Because a lot of times when we talk about Jesus' death on the cross and the resurrection, usually I think we speak of it from a half-side perspective. We talk about the fact that Jesus came, yes, to forgive me of my sins and, and to love me. Yes, that's all true, but I think that's partial. That's part gospel. The full gospel is that Jesus also came to destroy the works of the enemy from everyone who comes to know him. Because here's what I find a lot of times. I see people who do believe that Jesus died for their sins, but they're still living under the oppression of the enemy. I see people who have only taken authority of half of the gospel. They haven't apprehended the other half of the gospel who says, God didn't just set you free. God came to break the chains of lies and seeds over your life. And what's interesting is the scripture that this young man chose to use, I wish he knew the context of it. And I pray he will know the context of it. By the way, when I heard this, I don't know how everybody else's response is, it was some really weird responses from people who call themselves followers of Jesus, condemning this young man, judging this young man, but for me, my heart broke for him, and I begin to pray, and I say, God, give him a revelation of who you really are, so he can know you and have a relationship with you, because if he truly knows you, he will bow his knees to you, not to the other guy, because the other guy has no authority over anybody who gives Jesus praise honor and glory, we don't fear evil, we're not afraid of evil, come hell or high water, we know Jesus and we know who the Lord is, we know who the Savior is, we know who has the authority in the name of Jesus, every demon in hell has got to flee. So here's the Bible verse that he used on his shoes. This is the verse he used, he used Luke chapter 10, verse 18, who actually says, Jesus said yes, I told, he told his disciples, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. In the context of it, if you go look, go read the whole thing. By the way, when you read the Bible, follow the context first before you take it out of context. That's important. The context there was, this was the first time that Jesus sent out his disciples by themselves to minister. He says, I'm giving you authority to go out there and preach the gospel and to cast out demons and to lay hands on people to heal the sick. And they came back with reports and they were excited, high-fiving each other like, man, look what we did. Look what God did through us. And Jesus said, man, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He was saying, I saw the power that you have over every evil spirit when you go out in my name. So my friends, what we need to claim this Easter morning is the authority of Christ over evil. Because Jesus has real authority. You notice it said that he didn't teach like other teachers. He didn't teach like other rabbis who would quote Moses or quote David or quote other rabbis. He comes and says, no, I come in my own name. Because at the name of Jesus, every demon in hell has to flee. And here's what blows my mind about this. You're going to see this throughout the book of Mark. I hope you really go on the 16th journey with us. You're going to see this reality that the first ones to recognize Jesus as Lord are the demons. That blows my mind. Like, Here we are, 2,000 years later, people are still struggling to recognize Jesus. Some say he's a great teacher. Some say he's a moral teacher. Some say he's a prophet. Some say that that, that, that he is the incarnation of, of another teacher. But the demons have no problem recognizing that he is the son of God. He is equal with God, and he has authority over all evil. That blows my mind because Jesus has authority in every realm, He didn't come just to forgive your sins. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. And throughout this book, you will see that there is a real struggle happening between evil and good, between light and darkness. And I think that it doesn't take rocket science to see that we're still facing this evil. I know know we have evolved so much and we live in a 21st century and we have so many scientific, you know, evolution that's taken place. And, and I love science. But the reality is, let's be real. No matter how much, how much we have come far, we still have long ways to go. And evil is very real and very prevalent in our society. And worst, my friends, if we can be honest, it's not just the evil around us, but it's the evil in us. If we can be honest as human beings, it's not just that we see that there's evil in the world, but it's sobering when you see it in you. It's sobering when you find yourself, like Paul says, the things I wanna do, I don't do. The things I don't wanna do, I end up doing. And I find myself in this tug of war on the inside of me, and, I, and some days I don't even recognize my own self. There are some thoughts that come your way, you're like, who thought that? Y'all ain't gonna talk to me this Easter morning with your really cute outfit out there. But sometimes you don't even recognize your own self. And Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? Because the, the evil of sin and evil it's so real. It's happening all around us, but it happens in us. And I think this is why we need to claim the authority of Jesus over our lives. This power in the name of Jesus. See, to be like Jesus is to tap into the same power of His Spirit. Demons tremble at His name, sickness leaves in His name, bad spirits are overcome in His name. And sometimes the best prayer you can pray is just to pray the name of Jesus. If you find yourself stuck and you find yourself under attack, let me encourage you. Open your mouth and just say Jesus, 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 Jesus. Because when you, where there's Jesus, there's no depression. When there's Jesus, there's no suicidal thoughts. When there's Jesus, there's victory. A lot of times you don't have to say much, just say the name Jesus. If you notice, when you stub your toe, you don't go, oh, Muhammad. <laughs> Even that's a prayer. We must learn to speak and act with the same authority that Jesus came to give us. Throughout the book of Mark, you will hear Jesus talk about God's kingdom or the kingdom of heaven. My friends, we live between two realms, the physical and the spiritual. That's why Jesus said, he said, when you pray, pray like this. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Two realms. He says, bring the two together. Converge the two into one. See, it's not above us or below us. A lot of times we think, you know, if I, listen, it doesn't matter how high you go up in the sky, you're not going to go to heaven. And it doesn't matter how low you go on the earth, you're not going to go to hell. There are two different realms of reality that exist. And what Jesus does is he gives you a glimpse into that reality as he's walking the earth. This blew my mind when I was studying. This hit me. When Jesus walked the earth, it was heaven walking the earth. The full realm was where he was. And that's why whatever Jesus was, you couldn't be sick. Whatever Jesus was, you couldn't be under the oppression of the enemy. Why? Because where Jesus exists, hell cannot exist. Where Jesus exists, evil cannot exist. Where Jesus exists, (laughs) life has to take place. See, my friends, these two realms, they intertwine and touch and overlap at times. Once in a while, we get a glimpse of the two. Right, Once in a while, there's moments in life where, where we, we experience something supernatural. We call it a miracle. But I want you to know in the heavenly realm, a miracle is normal. See, with COVID, we, 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 they, they want us to embrace this new normal of fear, of isolation. But that's the devil is a liar. The new normal is where there's no fear, there's no evil, there's no lies, there's no deceit. That's the normal that Jesus had in mind all along. So when you see, when you say kingdom of heaven, he's talking about the realms. One of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, puts it this way. I love this. He said, he said, heaven in the Bible often means God's dimension behind ordinary reality. It's more as, a, as though an invisible curtain right in front of us was suddenly pulled back. It's as if Jesus walks the earth and says, peekaboo, let me show you, there's more. And I'm sure you've had moments in this life where you have seen the two realms touch. I don't know about you, but this morning as we're worshiping, I don't know if you can feel it, but it's almost like the curtains are getting pulled back a little bit so you can see that there's more than just the physical, but we live between the physical and the spiritual. And to be like Jesus is to tap into that heaven reality here and now. My friends, we don't have to live in fear. Yes, we fear, but we don't have to live in fear. This is why one of the most notable commandments in the entire Bible is do not fear. Over and over again. You know that if you study the word do not fear, you'll find it 365 times in the Bible. Coincidence? I think not. I think God is saying every day, don't fear. Because I don't live in fear. You don't have to live in fear. My spirit is not a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. You need to tap into the spirit of God here and now. You know that in the power of Jesus, the name of Jesus, you can cast out demons. You can pray for healing. And I know, again, we are 21st century people, and we're like, come on, we're talking about demons? I don't know about you, but let me ask you a question. Why is it that we live in the greatest country in the world, and we have the most depressed people in the world, the most suicidal people in the world, and we pump so much medicine, and medicine is not healing people, it's making people into zombies, as opposed to setting people free from the lies and the seeds of the enemy. My friends, there is evil in This world. We just had another terrible shooting. Where is this coming from? And we blame gun control, but gun control will never transform someone's heart. Evil is real. We can lay hands and believe for deliverance. I know it. I've seen it. I've experienced it. The greatest miracle that I know in my life is my father. I remember vividly when I was a young kid, I was about 12 years old, my dad struggled with alcohol, and I had this thought when I was 12 years old, and I really, I was genuinely thinking, man, if you would just die, and we'd be, we be better off, I would just, he would leave us alone. My friends, that was the evil lurking in my own house, slowly killing my dad through the demon of alcohol. But you know, we don't live in a time where we just grieve, I was 12 years old, but I was 19 years old when I saw the greatest miracle I've ever seen. My dad has never been to an AA meeting, but Jesus got a hold of him and transformed him from the inside out. And my dad today is one of the greatest men that I know because Jesus, he will tell you himself, ask him, he'll be here at uh, 11 o'clock, ask him, he'll tell you, Jesus set me free from the addiction of alcohol, of abuse, of lies, of deceit, he's made me a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. If he can do it for my dad, he can do it for anybody else. Jesus has power to heal and to restore. I pray that we understand one of the main goals of this series, next 16 weeks, is to reclaim the authority that we have in Jesus. My friends, it is unacceptable for us to live under the thumb of the enemy when we've we've been set free by Jesus. See, the thing is, we have to claim authority, There are certain things you have to claim for yourself in other words Jesus has already died for you he rose again for you he sent the spirit for you now he says what are you going to do with what I've given you it's unacceptable for us to just live half the gospel and not embrace the other half that brings freedom and deliverance and I'm not saying that every disease is healed here because we know that doesn't happen but it doesn't mean we don't believe for it. it doesn't mean we don't claim it Because I believe that some people are going to get healed instantly. Some people get healed later. But listen, healing is the reality of every believer that believes in the name of Jesus Christ. (laughs) So my friends, when we get to Easter, the whole purpose, he takes you all the way to why we celebrate Easter. The whole purpose of Jesus was to show you heaven on earth and how to live in that reality. He dies to overcome evil. Crucifixion was the death penalty. is the worst you can do to a human being. Jesus observes the evil that we do. He observes the worst that the enemy can throw at him. He forgives the worst in us. He pays the ultimate price so that we may be free. Free from the bondage of sin. No longer slaves to sin. No longer slaves to addiction. No longer slaves to the things that's holding us back. My friends, I got news for us as we wrap up in the worship team. You guys can come. Sin was never the point of your story. Sin is an intrusion in your story. That's why Jesus had to deal with sin. Sin must be punished because that's the only thing that keeps you away from the will of God. I don't like it when preachers make sin the point of the story Where, you know, week after week, you get beat up for being a sinner. But the point is, he died to build you up to not be a sinner, but to be a saint, to be delivered, to be set free. My friends, sin must be punished. Jesus took our place. Because you knew there's no one can pay the penalty of sins. He sets you free from fear of dying. The Bible says, oh, death, where's your sting? Jesus speaks from the other side of life. From the realm where there's no death. And he says, I have risen and so will you in me. The resurrection of Jesus was the beginning of the resurrections to come for all. And listen, we all are praying to go to heaven. Jesus is saying, I want to bring heaven to earth. The two realms will collide one day. Go read Revelations. The whole thing ends here on earth as Jesus comes back to reclaim his authority over all things. And the Bible says every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. My friends, we can bow now or we can bow later. But here's the heart behind the next 16 weeks is this, to be like Jesus. If I embrace Jesus, I am forgiven, healed, and restored. I can live with the same power of His Spirit. I can live with authority over evil, and I can carry the good news to others who are still in bondage of sin and death and lies. Can you say amen? So let's stand together as we pray this morning. None of this will take effect if you don't first repent and invite Jesus into your life to be baptized into his will, to become his follower, and then you have authority in the spirit to overcome all evil even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff will comfort me and surely your goodness and mercy will follow me every day of my life that's a follower of Jesus so let's pray together listen you have to personalize the message this is not a holiday it's a reality Of life so with every head bow why do we bow our heads just so you don't get distracted with the person next to you it's a personal reflection time it's time for decision-making maybe someone invited you to church but no one can make you follow Jesus that's a choice belief is a choice you have to choose to believe no one can make you believe no one can make you appropriate yourself of this authority Here's the thing, you are already forgiven, but it's up to you to apprehend forgiveness. You're already healed, it's up to you to apprehend your healing and your place in His kingdom. So I want to pray for people today who are like, man, you're talking to me, I need to surrender, I want, re- I want to repent, I want Jesus, I want a new start, I want new life in me, I want the Spirit of God in me, I'm tormented by evil, I want freedom. If that's you today, I want to pray for you all over this place with every head bow, eyes closed. If that's you, do me a favor so I know what I'm praying for. Just lift your hand and say, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else before I pray? Don't let this moment pass you by. I know there's a real tug of war inside of you right now. Do I lift my hands? Do I not? Listen, trust the spirit of God that says, go ahead. Trust me. I want to set you free. I want to deliver you. I want to heal you. I want to restore you. We're all going to pray this prayer, but especially you raise your hand. Listen, this prayer is more than just saying words. It's an affirmation of your life to say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You are the master of my life. I surrender all to you, and I believe in your power to heal me, to restore me, to set me free. So let's pray together. you got to say it from your heart, though. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, he will come and rescue you. This is a full surrender to him. It's not just a prayer, it's an ownership to say, Jesus, you are the Lord. Let's pray together, all of us. Let's pray out loud. I believe in the power of your words. Pray with me. Say, Father, today on Easter morning, I am surrendering my life to Jesus. I believe he died for my sins, and he rose again to give me life, and life eternal. So Jesus, I'm asking you today, to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I wanna repent of living away from you. And I wanna submit my life to you. And I pray today, Jesus, you are filling me with your spirit at the same power that rose you from the dead, lives in me, and gives me the authority to live above the level of sin and mediocrity. I am yours from this day forward. My life belongs to you. And I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you, Lord. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.